Welcome to the Thriving in Complexity podcast. I'm your host, Suzanne Lubertilia, and I'd love for you to join me as I peek behind the scenes of complex situations and workplaces and interview leaders and experts who will challenge your thinking, inform and inspire your leadership so you and your team can thrive in the volatile, uncertain, complex and ambiguous world we live in. Hello, welcome to the Thriving in Complexity podcast. I'm Suzanne Libertilia, and I will be your host for this series of conversations. I thought I would use this episode zero to tell you a little bit more about who I am and why I started the podcast. When I think back to when I was on the very early stages of my leadership journey, I learned very quickly how valuable it was to be able to have conversations with other leaders, people who were much more experienced than me, and to find out a little bit more about how they thought about things, gave me the opportunity to really reframe my thinking and to look at it from what was going on around me from lots of different perspectives. It also enabled me to work out who I wanted to be as a leader. And I have to say, there were some occasions where I know when I was being mentored once, someone asked me, who did I really admire? And at that time, it had been a really difficult environment that I was working in. And I ended up saying, well, I can tell you what I like about different people, but there's no one that I really want to be like. But I could actually list off about 10 different people and what I really liked the way that they did certain things. So what I've always done as a leader is work out who I want to be and not try and emulate someone exactly. But there will be elements of different people's styles that I will play around with and try and incorporate that into my own unique leadership style. So I'm hoping through this podcast that you will get to hear from a broad range of different leaders, people who are leading within an organization, people who are leading on a board, or people who are experts in a particular area that are supporting people leading in those types of contexts. And by listening to those people, my hope is that you can continue to experiment and play around and work out what your own leadership style is. And from the title, you can also tell that I have a particular interest in working in very complex environments. And so I'll tell you a little bit about my history, and that might make a bit more sense. So I learned fairly early on that things don't really often work out the way that you expect them to. I went through university. First off, I was going to be an English and drama teacher. So I've got a double major in literature, a major in drama, and I did a bit of geography on the side as well. So I learned pretty early on that life doesn't work out quite the way you expect it to. I had to audition to get into postgraduate studies to become a secondary school drama teacher. And although I had done drama privately all the way through high school and I'd studied it at university, I didn't make the cut in the auditions. And then I'm thinking, well, what do I do now? So 
someone I know suggested that I put my application in to work as a temporary payroll clerk at the Royal Brisbane Hospital until I decided what I wanted to do. Well, I put my application in and I ended up being offered a job to work as a temporary relieving clerk working in lots of different areas of the hospital. And 26 years later, I left Queensland Health. The beauty of actually working in that relieving role is I got to work in a lot of different parts of the hospital and got a real feel for the type of work that I did and didn't like. And I jumped at the chance to go and do an extended relieving stint in the medical administration office, managing all of the junior doctor's rosters. And that was my first real foray into understanding complexity and all of the challenges of trying to organize their very many junior doctors working in a hospital, trying to juggle all their personal needs, trying to juggle their training needs, trying to juggle the operational service requirements. And when I finished that stint, I got offered a job working in human resources in the hospital on a permanent basis. I spent a number of years working at the hospital. I then went and worked at the regional office level and spent 10 years in corporate human resources and industrial relations in the department proper. So I got lots of exposure to representing the department in the Industrial Relations Commission for workplace disputes, trying to actually get really significant changes and reforms through the system. And that's where I probably intuitively learnt a lot about what works and what doesn't work when you're operating in those really complex environments. I also was the negotiator on a number of enterprise bargaining agreements and In mid-2000s, I decided to actually leave industrial relations behind and I moved on to head up medical workforce advice and coordination, where I did a lot of work there trying to solve issues or at least find ways around issues with limitations on training capacity for med students, for junior doctors, interns, and also for specialty trainees. After that, I moved on and set up Clinical Education and Training Queensland, was actually doing very similar things, but focused on all of the different health professions and looking at how we set up the workforce for the future. After that was established and had been running for a little while, I then moved on to my next challenge, which was heading up the Reform Transition Office in Queensland Health. And that was when Kevin Rudd was Prime Minister. And there was a lot of work happening all across the country to actually ensure that decisions about care were being made much closer to where patients were receiving their care. So at that time, Queensland Health had a budget of about $10 billion and 80,000 staff. And part of the job of our office was to actually support the breakup of that organization into 17 separate legal entities. So we had nine different streams of work, 300 different deliverables, but wasn't accountable myself for delivering many of those. It was very much a role where you had to influence everybody to do what was needed to achieve the outcome that everyone was seeking. So that's when I really learned that the only power that you don't have is the power that you give away. Very smart lady, Helen Bevan from the UK taught me that when she was out running a session when we were doing health reform. And I found that's really stuck with me all throughout my career. 
After we finished and went live, I then moved over to actually support a division within the department, really looking at performance, commissioning, and I looked after the Office of Health Statutory Agencies, and they looked after all of the appointments to the boards, checking that everything was running okay. They also provided a lot of support to the hospital foundations and all of the other statutory agencies that sat underneath the health umbrella. And I worked really closely with the first two chair of chairs and all of the chairs who were getting their heads around how to actually run the system in this whole new model. I also, for a time, looked after the Aboriginal and Torres Strait Islander Health Branch, which I learnt an enormous amount from personally and know that there is so much more that we need to do in that space. I then ended up in the Director General's office, not something I planned, but had the opportunity to run the system governance branch and work very closely as the liaison between the Director General's office and the Minister's office, and also providing all of the support and making sure that everything ran properly for all of the contribution to the national committees. At the very end of my time in health, I had the fortune to work with Rachel Hunter on the Hunter Review and designed all of the strategic engagement and did the support for that review. So that's a really great example of being able to work very closely with someone that you admire and look at what are the elements from their leadership that you think are really compelling and really do get the type of outcomes that you're seeking from people and thinking about how you can incorporate that in your own style. After I finished that project, I then worked on a project to re-engage a whole range of staff within the department who were very disillusioned after a lengthy period of being reviewed and reviewed and reviewed. So had a really lovely time working on a project called Spark Change, but then decided that it was time for me to change and that I had been in health for a very, very long time. And I had always tended to be the woman behind the man, helping the man look good. And I really wanted to have my own opportunity to lead in my own right. So I applied for a job to move to another department. And it was just one of those things that at the time was a really eclectic mix that sat really nicely with my background. So I went to the Department of Communities, Child Safety and Disability Services and headed up Investment, Performance and Innovation. That was a wonderful job. I really enjoyed that. Unfortunately, after the really very sad death of a child, they reorganized all of a number of the executives and I ended up heading up Child, Family and Community Services Commissioning. And as always happens in government, we had a machinery of government change And I ended up heading up another area called investment and commissioning for the Department of Child Safety, Youth and Women. So that was everything from all of the strategic thinking about how do we invest in services, how do we get improved outcomes for people right through to the very operational procurement and evaluation and awarding of tenders. So in 2020, after yet another review, This time, an external one was identified that the area that I was in needed to change and that was going to really impact the scope of my role. I set out on my own. So I completed studies in coaching and mentoring 
And I'm now working as a consultant, an executive coach, a mentor, facilitator, and speaker. So that gives you hopefully some insight into who I am and why I started this podcast. And I really hope that you enjoyed this whole series of conversations. Talk to you soon. Bye. Thanks for listening. If you had something you want to revisit or explore in more detail, you can check out the show notes. If you enjoyed this episode and you like helping others to open their thinking, please share it with others, post about it on social media, or leave a rating and review. As always, a big thank you to Leon Fitton and the team at the Podcast Concierge. That's all for this episode. I'll see you next time.